0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to another live Run Your Mouth podcast. I am honored to have Sam Parker back on the podcast. For those unfamiliar with Sam Parker, I recommend you go back down the Run Your Mouth archive uh, because he called Corona two months before it happened. He let us know that this thing came from a lab. It was coming from us. Bill Gates had already worked it up. Uh, He solved numerous issues. I really recommend going down the archive. Sam, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's an honor to have you
1: robbie thanks for having me on it's a pleasure uh, i had a great time the last few times i've been on and i'm looking forward to having a great uh year in review tonight with you guys tonight on the pod
0: and i like that um your audio only this time i feel like it builds the mystery a little bit that you're in <laughs> you're in a bunker for your safety you know that the tech overlords are coming from you and uh, you're playing it safe
1: they're totally coming for me i'll tell you what i've been i've been in. Uh, I think they've allocated a permanent, uh, uh, isolated server space for me on Twitter over the last year.
0: (laughs) So since I can't see you before we get into any topics of substance, I want the beard update because when I met you, you were clean shaven and then you had this big, unbelievable beard. What's, uh, what's the status of the facial hair now?
1: You know, I got the big, massive beard. It's bigger than ever. It's bigger than ever. And it's not coming off till sometime after Christmas.
0: Okay. Why are you playing Santa? Is that the new gig? (laughs)
1: No, not not quite. Uh, Just, uh, you know, just just having fun with it. Just having fun with it. All right. So it is unbelievable that we're
0: still living amongst amongst people that care about the coronavirus, people that are concerned with it. Now, I'm concerned with the reaction. I'm concerned with the vaccines. Uh, But we've moved on with our lives. And sadly, the world has not. And sadly, even as the government officials and these health companies have been wrong. Time and time again, people are still trying to listen to them. Uh, you've given us the boldest predictions and have been right with everything in regard to coronavirus. So I'm curious to get your update on kind
1: of where we're at and where you think this is going. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. I think it's it's clear that the our overlords, our globalist overlords, are not going to let this go. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day and w- what we have is a, a situation where you have, I think, three powerful interests, uh, th- three groups of people whose interests are all intersecting. You have Big Pharma, right, who is making billions and billions of dollars and they're going to make billions more. So th- uh, they have powerful incentives. I mean, those are powerful incentives, right, to keep this scam going. That's number one. Uh, number two, you have a group that i would call big government and other globalists if you will a kind of a catch-all term but these are the people who want to control our lives want to control us want to uh tell us what we're what we have to do want to control our lives want to enslave us want to monetize us as little sort of worker bee widgets uh they see us as their their little uh, their little worker bees for their benefit. Uh, you know, here you have, you know, the government, you know, your, your Joe Bidens, your Jacinda Ardern's of New Zealand, your Klaus Schwab's of the World Economic Forum, your Bill Gates, uh, these types of people, governments and quasi-government, non-governmental entities, these people who, who want to control our lives. And then you just have big business people in general, like people like Jeff Bezos. Okay, or uh, or any other tech titans, uh, Co- your Costco's, your WalMarts, uh, you know all these types of businesses, these, these big businesses who are just making money hand over fist in this in this pandemic, right? And so they have a, a vested interest in the vax, in pushing these vaccines because it kind of keeps the it keeps the panic going, right? It keeps this whole new way of life going uh this new way of life that's making them extremely rich and and, and part
0: powerful. of what's part of what's made them so rich and has incentivized big businesses particularly the tech companies to go along with it is that we've gotten rid of their competition protected That's class right. is allowed to remain open. If you are an airline, you were able to remain open all through this pandemic. You got government bailouts to cover any problems that you are going to have. If you're a tech company, well, your business is online. People being stuck in their homes is great. It's more traffic. It's more people shopping on Amazon. Uh, so I think you're right that the tech companies just kind of looked at the environment and said, hey, this thing is great. We're going to play along. Uh, do you think that they were in it from the outset, like they sat down, the YouTubes, the Googles, they sat down with Bill Gates and they were just kind of in on the plan or they were good capitalists? They saw, hey, this environment's working out really well for us. We're going to play along with it.
1: I think it's it's probably both. I don't pretend to know the the inner machinations of global conspirators, but I but I think it's pretty plain that there's been a lot of conspiring going on over the last two years, at least uh, with respect to this pandemic. You know it's clear from the outset that certain tech platforms uh, tw- you know were, were were going along with whatever the plan was. Twitter was censoring early on. you know, as you know, you I I did my what what's that?
0: You might have been the first. I mean, you were the first guy who put out the lab leak theory and you were I, I mean I don't know of anyone who got censored as early as you did. You almost started the censorship party. I think you were pre-trump even.
1: Yeah, I, uh, well, yeah, so I, I put out my, I started suspecting it was, uh, it was a, a lab leak, uh, uh, either on accident or on purpose in January of 2020. Right. And I did a, I did the big, the big mega thread on something somewhere around February 4th or 6th, I think something like that, 2020 and Twitter was already censoring my thread before I even finished the thread. That's crazy. And that's really crazy. Yeah, I mean, they were hiding and deleting tweets and giving me bot checks and locking my account. They were doing all of that before I even finished the thread. So they were in on it. I, you know, Facebook and Google, you know, YouTube uh, were censoring content very early on, very, very quickly, very early on. You know. I, I think it impossible that, that it was just all by accident or they just, you know, read the tea leaves and said, you know what, this is going to be a really dangerous pandemic. And we're just not going to allow people to talk about things that we don't agree with, you know, or, or whatever, whatever, you know, sort of mental gymnastics somebody wants to do. I just don't see how these big tech companies weren't, weren't in on, you know, whatever was going on back at the time. At the time, it was hard to see what was going on. And I think some people, you know, people can be forgiven for not, for sort of thinking it was all natural. Uh, that was maybe an, uh, an easy interpretation to have at the time. Uh, I don't, I don't know how anybody sees what's been going on now and looks back in time and says, yeah, yeah, this has all just been spontaneous, right? Everything has been lined up, uh, in the in lockstep and and for somebody and if anybody wants wants a good time uh go look up uh operation lockstep what and is operation
0: I, lockstep i don't think i've heard of that one
1: so operation lockstep was was um let's see how to how to quickly sort of uh it was a it was a project is a rockefeller project from 2010 i believe in which they talked about uh how a global uh pandemic uh scenario could be used to sort of transform uh transform society and um and so that's called operation lockstep you know it's even been spoken of by laura ingram on uh, fox news i think that's the most prominent person i've seen um talk about it but um it it was supposedly a planning report released by the Rockefeller foundation in 2010 and it and and one of the scenarios or one of these sections was called something like scenarios for future technology and international development. And it describes one scenario in which there's going to be a pandemic in w- and, and out of this pandemic, technology could be used to uh, sort of reorder and reestablish and and uh, restore humanity in the world and, and whatnot. And I mean, that's basically exactly what we're seeing now. Um You know, I think the report talked about uh, mandatory face mask wearing, you know, uh, body temperature checks at airports and communal spaces uh, and and things like that. Now, coronavirus, it's you know, by name was not mentioned, but uh, but this was a type of scenario uh, that was has uh, been planned for and talked about and the solutions to which in that report are eerily similar to what we've been subjected to under, under this. So So. as
0: you've pointed out, we've got the, maybe they even planned this from the beginning. We've got the biggest, most powerful people working together to, you know, keep this thing alive, including the tech infrastructure, the big business, the politicians, and of course, big pharma. Uh, It does seem to me that you do need a level of public, uh, public perception of, hey, there is a big threat out there. Like, there needs to be some level of compliance. If everyone tomorrow said, nope, they would have to kind of walk away from this because they want to remain in power, and they also, they need to sell us on the fact that we need them in power. At some point, you know, if everyone, if they said, hey, we're showing up to everyone's homes tomorrow and we're going to kill your kids, and everyone's like, I don't really think that's a good idea, they wouldn't be able to do that. You know, if everyone still said, hey, I think that's a great idea, then they might be able to get away with it. But like you need to kind of have some level of public support uh, Yes, as these vaccines have not worked as promised as much as they keep changing what the promise was from safe and effective to we need everyone actually to have them in order for you to be protected. And actually, it's not going to protect you from getting or spreading the virus, but it will keep you from getting significantly ill to, hey, you need another booster shot. And that booster shot will increase your level of protection. But we're not even sure if it works for this variant yet. Um, also you're going to have to vaccinate your kids and, um, these things that we've told you that you're not allowed to keep your job, they're actually illegal. So people have like, even normies, I think have been confronted with a lot of, Hey, this doesn't really add up. Hey, they don't really have a plan. And they've lied to me about these vaccines. Uh, in your estimation, how much longer do you think they're going to be able to kind of keep this alive for, or do you think that they just ramp up on the power grab and, you know, continue to force us,
1: force it down our throats. What's, what's your expectation over the next couple months? I expect they're going to continue the cram down. It's, it's clearly uh, artificial. They clearly, to your point about, uh, you know, getting people to go on, they had to establish a climate of fear, right? They had to establish a big climate of fear uh, to, first of all, to get the lockdowns, and then to put people into a frame of mind and a psychology, if you will, to accept more, Right. they couldn't have done this all at once if you think about where we're at right now in december 2021 they could not have have done this uh, in february or march of 2020 with with everything that's happened it's the proverbial frog in the pot i know that's cliche but that's what they've done you can see how it's been bit by bit by bit they had lockdowns and then they had uh then they had face mask you know uh requirements and then and then you know work from home and and then there's no, oh no, there's no treatments. Be very afraid, you know, be very afraid. And and of course they had to diminish or deny any sort of treatment could or does exist for this, right? And that allowed them to get their emergency use, uh, use authorization for the vaccines, right? And now that we have the vaccines, it's like, everybody get the vaccine. And then that turned into, well, if you don't get the vaccine, you can't do anything. And you have to get a passport. You have to get this vaccine passport that allows you to move and travel and conduct business. And now that's not enough. You have to, and so a lot of people went out and got the vaccine. Some people, close friends and family of mine went out and got the vaccine because they said, you know, if you do this, we'll get back to normal. Well, have we gotten back to normal? Normal? No, right? No, uh, they've continued the cram down. It, also, so I it, was,
0: it was a self-imposed, not normal. Like they pretended like it was not normal because of the virus, but it was actually not normal because of the government's response. And then That's they said right. like and then they said, you know, they, they kind of did a similar thing with Trump as well, where the media went crazy. They threw a temper tantrum for two years and no one or a lot of normal people. They didn't like that environment. They're like, why is the country so crazy? Hey, let's put someone else in. So at least it will be less crazy. Well, it was crazy because of the response. It wasn't crazy because of Trump. You know, it's like this really good manipulative trick that they keep playing and it works where, hey, we've got all these laws and we can get rid of these laws as long as you guys are compliant. Well, the problem here wasn't the environment. It was the laws. You know what I mean? It's very—it's yeah. uh, a sneaky trick that they're pulling and it works.
1: It does. It works. I'll tell you, you know, fear, fear is a useful emotion and they're able to play on that fear. They have the, the mouthpiece, right? They have the mainstream media and the tech platforms who regulate all the information we consume and all the information we hear. You know, again, I come back to this. People need to ask themselves, how is it that every single government around the world is saying the same lines and promoting the same narrative and passing the same laws and policies? And they're doing this in real time at the same time in perfect coordination you, you hear justin trudeau in canada saying something you hear bill gates saying something you hear joe biden saying something hey, you want a different flavor you got to go to north korea yeah, right. <laughs> yeah i know it's a sad it's a sad moment in history when you got to go to north korea to get a different to get a different uh to get a different tale right but boris johnson and and, and angela merkel and and macron and 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 then this Ardern in, in New Zealand and, and basically anywhere in the world, uh, every government is under is implementing the same policies. Every company in the world is implementing the same policies. Everybody's just in lockstep, and and people need to uh, are starting to be confronted with how is it that every government and every business interest seems to be perfectly aligned in real time, saying the same words, the same phrases, implementing the same policies. You need, people need to confront that. It is not by accident. It is not by accident. It's not natural for there to be so much like instantaneous word for word cooperation. And, and it's, and it's all been in one direction. It's all been in one direction. Tyranny, tyranny, control, vaccines big business. It's all been in one direction. And then you get things like from the world economic forum, you know, you're not going to own anything and you're going to be happy. And you know, your life's going to be online and you're going to be happy and you're not going to eat meat. Uh, isn't it interesting by the way, Robbie, and I don't want to get us too far afield. Isn't it interesting that, uh, that all of the, the left's favorite, uh, uh, the, the issues are, are somehow have somehow become front and center of of the coronavirus pandemic. All of a sudden, the climate change is like, you know, still just, you know, to, one of the things to solve the coronavirus epidemic is, is climate change. We have to defeat that, you know, um, well, I
0: think it's that we've somewhat opened up the doors to let's allow for centralized government to handle these problems. Uh, so it, this is the socialist dream, right? It's not that the free market or us as individuals or business, like you don't have to compete to create value. It's, oh, there can be threats so big that government needs to step in and take care of that problem. And once you kind of give them that card, that there are certain market problems that can only be solved by government. Well, you've just opened up the opportunity for a lot of capitalists, the most powerful capitalists. To show up in government and go, well, I've here's another problem that you guys need to regulate, re, you know, regulate basically my product into being profitable, which I think uh, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think they're going to be transitioning to how we need government to step in and solve global warming. And what they're really going to be doing is working with the biggest banks in the world uh, to push these ESG scores and other nonsense to basically make, you know, non-profitable investments in windmills and electric cars and other garbage profitable. Uh, which is going to rob all of us on, of economic growth.
1: Well said, Robbie. I'll tell you what. Yeah, how does it how does it go if if you if uh, you give if you give up your rights uh, to government uh, in an emergency? Well uh, for an emergency, then all of a sudden the government finds emergencies to help you give up your rights. Right. 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 (laughs) So uh, that's what we, they're just going to, they've got the playbook here. They have mastered the playbook, just manufacture one crisis after another, get you to give up your rights and your autonomy. And... And they get more powerful and businesses and their business partners get richer and you get smaller and less rich and less powerful. Uh, And they're just going to keep they're just going to keep playing that card. And we haven't found a way as a society to trump that trump that card. We haven't we haven't figured it out yet.
0: On that note, my focus over the coronavirus and I, I think I've done a good job with it and we've almost exhausted all the evidence. But I could tell from the beginning that they were lying to us about the utility of these vaccines. And so every single day, I was kind of breaking down the language that they were using, showing how it was non-committal, showing, looking at the documents and how they were lying. And so my suggestion to everyone watching it was, hey, there is risk in taking these products. There's no utility. And they're clearly f- fear mongering to take more control over our economy and kind of keep us in our homes, divide and conquer and all these negative things. One of the things, because I'm just not a scientist, I'm not a medical guy, and it just was a little too out there. I didn't delve too far into was the potential side effects. Uh, Now, a while back, you were on the show, and you kind of warned people that there were reasons because the animal studies, even though it wasn't specifically for this, it was for mRNA vaccines and tuberculosis and others. um, After about six months, there was weakened immunity. And when there was re-exposure, there were significant problems. And so they kind of, with this mRNA, went right to human testing when the track record, generally speaking for MRNA technology, looked really bad. Uh, What are you expecting kind of over the next six months? Do you think we're going to start seeing uh, an increase in in side effects? Do you think the story might cave on itself because it's so alarming? Or do you think there might be side effects, but their control over media and information is so good, we're never going to kind of have a widespread understanding of what's happening?
1: Well, I think uh, that's a good question, Robbie. I think we're, we're, we're at a point where we're somewhere in between. Uh, you know, uh, there are databases now uh, around the world. We got VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System uh, in the United States. There's a, a European version of that. And the WHO has one. And there's various databases and way in, uh, ways of looking at this, uh, at this. Of course, we also have the whistleblower from September who revealed that the Medicare database uh, was showing uh, a lot of issues uh, with people being vaccinated, uh, issues that were not being reported or being divulged. And so so there are sources of information out there for people to find out, you know, what's the adverse events going on with these vaccines. Uh, just the other day, I saw a headline, 311 athlete, athlete cardiac arrests, 177 dead after the COVID shot. And just since the vaccines came out, uh, you know, we're seeing uh, just an absolutely uh, a, a massive spike in in deaths and sudden deaths and tragic deaths of current athletes and former athletes, people that are young, people that are healthy, people that uh, are in good shape. And I think that's kind of a tip of the spear. And 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 so to your point is, you know, do they have enough control over information that they're keeping this out of the public's eye, so to speak? Yes, they are, because there's a massive, there's been a massive spike in these prominent deaths. And and there's a a large proportion of people that simply don't know about it or don't know what to make of it. Or they'll say, they'll see, oh, there's been a few hundred, you know, deaths or collapses. Uh, and, and, but that's, but you know what, that's, that's better than than the millions
0: lightning strikes when people are collapsing on soccer games, like the same way they have like the blue line and the yellow line for football, like (laughs) someone collapses, they're just going to get a lightning strike that came from oh my God, this lightning's out of control.
1: So yeah, they're the,
0: getting hit by lightning in the middle of a game.
1: The coincidenceitis, the coincidenceitis yeah. and the coincid- coincident myelitis has been <laughs> it's been off the charts uh, uh, this year. Right. And and it's the same thing. You see the same thing um, with uh, problems in children and, and young people. They're trying to normalize blood clots and myocarditis and pericarditis in kids and young people and you see just clownish headlines out there uh, about it like you know cold temperatures you know can affect your period or can affect you know you know can blood clotting and now uh, they're selling blood clotting drugs and promoting blood clot anti blood clotting drugs uh, to kids and to children and to young people these are not normal All right. But but they're able to use uh, their power in the media and in tech to to normalize these things. Uh, You know, you see it on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. They operate in perfect harmony and in perfect sync. You can't talk about anything that's unapproved by Anthony Fauci and the CDC and the compromised FDA and, and the left and the global left. You're not allowed to talk about it. You'll get suspended from Twitter. Uh, or you'll get your content with that mark that says, you know, misleading information. You're not allowed to retweet it. You know, that's how you know truth. That's how you know it's the new, it's the latest truth <laughs> indicator, right? You know, uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. You know, his his account on Instagram was suspended. Uh, it was it was uh, you know he's you know for for you know forget simply is giving he, uh, information.
0: Is he good? I haven't read the 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 True Anthony Fauci book yet. You'd be a better. Uh... You know, you'd have a better read on that than me. Uh, Do you find that his work is like honest and pretty on point?
1: He seems credible. I first started listening to him early on in the pandemic. I he was he started doing some podcasts early on in the pandemic in like say March, April, that type of timeframe in twenty twenty, and 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 he's been right about pretty much everything. Now I haven't gotten the book myself. I'm going to be getting it and reading it. Uh, I have a close friend right now who's reading it, and he's been sending me blurbs, and it's just some shocking, eye opening stuff. And and I, I I would say, listen, I trust him. I trust him more uh, then I trust the people in power, you know, uh, and I find him credible and I would encourage everybody to go get his book. I know I don't make any money for saying that. I don't know the guy, but you know what? Uh, I promote anybody who's willing to, who's willing to be brave enough and speak out the truth and speak out the counter narrative. Now, is he right about everything? I don't know if he's right about any, everything, but he's providing a different view that you will get nowhere else. And not only will you get it nowhere else, but everywhere else is is act is actively trying to suppress his voice and other voices like him. And that alone should make you go seek out other sources of information, lest, you know, we become, you know, one way thinkers. Right. No, I think and, uh,
0: I, I think that's that's crucially important. I actually think one of the, the, the two biggest things missing in our society is one. Um, just a flavor of respect. And what I mean by that is like, you know, there's so much, it's especially on the left, this feeling of just censorship and you're not allowed to have a different perspective. And I'll have anyone on this show with a different perspective because first is it sharpens me. Like, let me hear uh-huh. something that's different. Let me challenge my point of view. Let me think of, or prove someone else for being wrong or, you know, or prove why they don't have good information. But why would you block yourself from that, which even if you like you bring someone on it, it's because I guess the intellectually weak, they think that they're going to hear bad ideas and it's like going to corrupt them. It's almost like some sort of like a religious thing, like some sort of a foul religious behavior that will corrupt your soul. It's like hearing a wrong idea is not going to kill you. It's like you should be smart enough to be able to disprove it. And if you can't do that, then maybe you should sit with that idea. Maybe that idea has more truth to it than you realized.
1: Yeah, you know it, it's really interesting how that's your attitude, that's my attitude. Like, let's just let all the information out there and let people make up their own minds. But there are people out there, and we know who some of them are. They just, uh, the, if there's somebody out there with a different opinion, they lose sleep over it. That, like, right now, there's p- somebody on the internet right now that doesn't agree with me or doesn't isn't towing the mainstream line. And that's not okay. And we need to silence them. And they're working 24, 7, 365 to make sure that opinions that they don't like are being censored. Like me, I, I send out my tweet. Somebody else has a different opinion. Like right now, there's people posting things online that I really strongly disagree with and don't like and maybe even hate uh okay fine but i'm still gonna eat my dinner and go on with my life but other people knowing that i'm posting stuff online that they hate they're actively seeking to get me like uh uh fired or to lose my job or you know and suspended from everything and have my life ruined because wow i have a different opinion than them and it, it really affects their life
0: so for you as a as an informed guy, uh, like i'm curious to know like where do you like to get most of your information from like what what are the websites that you're going to or some of the (laughs) authors that you're following like what are kind of your go-tos to stay informed
1: well that's a good question listen i i I pick and choose info. i i get information from everywhere listen my my parents are fox news fiends and i've been staying with them for a little bit uh and i i absorb information from fox news all right uh i take everything with a grain of salt but i get information from there that's when i am getting mainstream news uh it's filtered it's filtered through there uh a little bit of the networks uh i see a lot of clips online uh you know from cnn and msnbc and cnbc you know because i'm active on social media so i see a lot of clips there uh, I I'm on Gab. I have a very uh, strong pr- uh, presence on Gab, so I get a lot of uh, I see a lot of stuff being shared around there from non-mainstream outlets uh, and podcasts and 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 I just I'm I'm just looking uh, like that. What are people sharing? I, I listen. I used to be on Vote, uh, which is now defunct. Uh, there are some alternatives now to Vote, like Poll P O L dot uh, dot C O. Um, for, pe- for people who don't know what that is, uh, 4chan, sometimes even, you know, uh, poll, uh, just anywhere, you know, uh, I try to follow people. I try to follow accounts that offer interesting and what seems to be like value adding information. And, and I also try to do my own thinking and put out my own material uh, for people. So I'm not just like, am- I'm not just amplifying perhaps, you know, uh, other people's stories. I'm trying to come up with my own content as well and kind of try to make sense of the world, getting all these different inputs. You know, what does it mean? How do I make sense of it? What's my interpretation? And uh, you know, it, it might not be that it, that we can always get perfect information on every issue, but I think it's critically important to, uh, to seek out alternative voices and you can't find them or it's hard to find them on just the mainstream platforms. I think people need to get on alternative platforms and and poke around on there and, and get news articles and find personalities that are covering things that don't get covered well or can't be covered well on your mainstream outlets. So uh, nothing, imp- nothing special or in particular more so than anybody else but yeah, if there's channels I follow on YouTube, there's channels I follow on BitChute, uh, channels I follow on Gab, uh, and a few websites, and you know, you'd know, you be surprised at how much information is available out there if you just kind of do poking around and, and do do some looking.
0: Uh, yeah, I actually find that a lot of the things I have found is by uh, listeners of this show hitting me up on Twitter and kind of mm-hmm. pointing out good sources. I actually think originally that's how you and I connected was someone mentioned, hey, you got to go check out this Sam Parker guy, and then I reached out. You were cool enough to come on. Uh, I found Alex Berenson that way which is Hmm. also why I try and be open and available and even read YouTube comments. Like I I do find that I've been fortunate enough that the fan base is smarter than I am. And sometimes they got really good insights on uh, who is covering this stuff. Uh, To move on to the next topic, we're coming in on one year of Biden and my God, has he done a lot to make a mess of the country,
1: (laughs) right? He's tragic.
0: he's, He's importing people over the border and he's sending it into, he's sending them into States. He's spending all the money he ramped on, ramped down our energy efficiency. He's investing in more price controls. Uh, he's empowering, you know, the big banks and working with these ESG scores. I hand it to you. If you could give us the report card and some of the biggest failures of uh, Biden year one.
1: Wow, B- Joe Biden. Uh, well, what can you say about him? You know, first of all, you know, we have to understand, and I know you know this, but we have to understand that Joe Biden is a figurehead, right? Like, is Joe Biden doing anything uh, other than like being the symbolic head sitting in a chair? I don't think so. You know, he has surrounded himself with a veritable rogues gallery of internationalists and globalists and corporate, you know, interests and, you know, perhaps even other state actors. Listen, we know he's he's been bought off by China. All right. Uh, and probably the Ukraine and, and who knows who else, right? Perhaps Iran. Uh, certainly there's a, a large uh, a massive influence coming from Israel so, so many of his cabinet are members of APAC and, uh, and 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 uh, you know are 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 uh, aligned with the interests of Israel uh, there's a lot of alignment with the interests of China uh, there's just a lot of alignment uh, with other countries that uh, aren't the United States. Do
0: you think like it could, I, I mean, not that we'd ever prove it, but do you think the alignment, it, like it could be defined as treasonous? Like he's been straight up bought by China and in certain regards is just acting in their interest, even if it's at the expense of the U.S. Like, do you think it's that
1: nefarious? Yes, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I mean, he, he, he you know, when a, when a, when an administration comes in and the first thing they do is shut down domestic energy production, that's like strangling the country the country at our lifeblood, right? He, he cut off our lifeblood day one. Why so, can would you, you uh,
0: explain to us? Cause I know, you know, the Keystone pipeline, he shut that down. And then I also know conceptually that we were an exporter of Nat gas, which kind of gave us a lot more, uh, control a little bit over energy prices because, you know, we started competing. We went from being the largest consumer to a major exporter, but I don't know specific. Did he shut down fracking? Like, I don't know specifically what he did, that seem to mess up the, you know, the energy market as much as it has? Uh,
1: well, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the, uh, let me see here. Um, I don't know exactly everything that he's done uh, on the energy market, but, but we see what he's doing on the international stage, right? They, they want OPEC to, to pump more, uh, to prop up uh, our own energy prices. Right, because, uh, because domestic uh, energy production has been, is down. Uh, we see that his, you know, for instance, his ally in California, uh, Gavin Newsom, who's every bit as corrupt and bought off, I think, uh, and tyrannical as Joe Biden and, and other of these big leftists, uh, you know, they are suspending fracking and have been making it very difficult for companies to, uh, to develop, uh, you know, oil and, and other energy resources coming out of California. Uh, and yeah, they, they do, they, they control natural gas exports. Uh, they're shutting down, they've continued their war on coal, uh, you know, shutting down, uh, shutting down the coal industry and making that uh, much, much more burdensome. I have a friend who's in the coal business and it's really, it's really, uh, it's really throttled his business. And um, we see what they're doing uh, with the, the gas prices, that how they've been able to manipulate the market. How is it that the gas, gas prices can be, you know, say uh, uh, high $1 to low $2. And then within mere weeks of a new administration, they've, it's shot up to over three, four $5 a gallon. And they were able to do it practically overnight. Uh, through manipulation of energy policy, through manipulation of federal contracts and leases, through the cancellation of pipelines and and other, uh, and other uh, resources uh, that develop uh, domestic energy, right? So basically they've been, been able to undertake a variety of policies, uh, you know, do that. Now, uh, to your point, like, you know, I don't know all the specific things that they've done, but w- the proof is in the pudding, right? We can see uh, how prices have just shot up Right. We can see how prices have shot up. And so that tells us that they've done they've been able to do things uh, uh, to make a domestic energy production harder. Uh, We saw how they released oil from the strategic oil reserve over Thanksgiving, uh, over the Thanksgiving break. Right. For like a three day period. So that I hated
0: because to me, it's like uh, the spending that we do it's short-sighted and it screws over future generations. And the idea is, well, we need, we need present consumption. We don't care about the future right now. We're going to consume it. We're going to enjoy it when it gets so far that you can't just print the money to go buy things, but you have to actually dip into the strategic resources. It's like, you're, you're almost looking for new things that we can consume right now. Like what what are we going to leave for our kids or culturally speaking? Like, I just like that as a value of, we're going to try and make it a little bit better. You know, we're going to make investments for other people. But when you get to the point where it's like not only you out of money, but you're also going to dip into like the the supplies of food you have in your basement. It's just like, you know what I mean? Conceptually, I kind of laughed at that. And I was also also it was a joke. It was a joke that like that was going to make any mark of a difference whatsoever. And it also just showcases the fact that, you know, Biden believes in kind of centralized government and price controls to kind of step in and, you know, relieve these problems and I'm ranting a little bit, but back to what you were saying before of that oil prices just suddenly went up. I think that also kind of speaks to the ways in which the president could act in a treasonous fashion where, you know, you're working with the Saudis and you go, listen, I'm going to ensure that, you know, U.S. oil production is down or that you're not going to have this Nat gas. You're not going to have this oil coming in from Canada. And so your profits are going to be up. So we're just going to work out some little back in payment. And what's incredible about that, or like if you got a trade policy with China, is that just little manipulations can create like trillions of dollars of value for for a country in terms of like the deal you put together or for the Saudis, billions. It's like you almost can't even conceptualize what your your payout might be if you kind of just coordinate a back end deal like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, all that energy that we were net exporting and making money off of, now we have to pay for. Right, So the market's just been shifted to other non-American sources. We're still consuming the energy. We still have to get it from somewhere. Well now, rather than paying our own companies and generating the jobs and the wealth here at home, uh, we're sending it abroad. Uh, a lot of it to countries that hate us, right? China's a big, uh, big uh, coal-generating uh, coal, um, country. You have Saudi Arabia, you have uh, the Ukraine, uh, and these other these other uh, countries on the And then, of course, all the countries of OPEC, you know, uh, these countries hate us. Right. Uh, a lot of them. And and they're they're making money, not us. Uh, I, I remember, you know, back under Obama, uh, you know, Biden's predecessor, he did. He undertook similar policies. Right. And when Brazil wanted the famous examples, when Brazil uh, was you know developing their energy resources, o- Obama said, hey, you know, we're going to. We gave them loans, we gave them cheap loans to develop uh, their their energy and said, hey, we're going to be first in line to come get your oil. And it's like, well, why not? Why not invest that money in the United States and United States oil production? It's OK. It's OK, apparently, if we help other countries de- destroy the planet, but we're not going to do it here. I mean, that's their excuse. Well, we've got to save the planet. So we've we got to throttle energy production here. But then they just go abroad and they spend that money and spend those resources abroad. Uh, help helping those other countries build their wealth, build their resources, and I'm like, they, well, they hate the poor, you
0: know? so they'll screw over their environment. Like, uh, yeah, right, nicer people for it.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. So let's. I actually it's, it's, believe the environmental
0: yeah. bullshit, but I'm just saying from their standpoint exactly. that so yeah. that that's the evil of them is that hey, no one should do this to the environment, but if you're in a poor area, then yeah, we'll help. We'll even help you do it.
1: Yeah, screw yeah, So if we take them at their word, yeah, like yeah, that's a great point. If we were to take them at their word and it really is about the environment, then like, yeah, yeah, we'll destroy your environment. Cool. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, they, yeah. the um, they hate the poor. Yep.
0: Okay. So I mean, if we had an election tomorrow, I don't see Biden winning it. I just see that, you know, how can it be with this many people who don't like the mandates with the inflation, with energy prices, and I don't think this is headed anywhere good in the next two years. Do you think we have an, an honest election the next time around? Do you think there's like the potential that a conservative can even win? Or do you think that they've got so much control over this thing? It, it, you know, we're, we're just basically living in a dictatorship at this point. You know, the news is bought. We see propaganda. Real information will never be out there. Like sometimes if you're living in that level of corruption, it's hard to kind of see it. So I'm curious to know, like, how bad do you think it currently is? Is there a pathway to freedom? like, do, can we out these people in the next election? Can we have, you know, maybe a, a good conservative that runs and, uh, you know, people rally behind them, or do you think we're living through end game right now? We're, we're no longer in, you know, uh, what, what resembles a democracy?
1: Yeah, well, those are, that's a, that's a great set of questions, Robbie. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to not be black pilled about some of this stuff. Now, listen, uh, Voting, we know, is rigged in many places. You know, you have to be a real imbecile or just a lying leftist to not understand that. You know, to not understand and and be able to see uh, what happened on November 3rd, and see how there was rigging going on, and I think that there's been plenty of evidence that's come out since then to show that there's been massive voter fraud. We see, uh, we saw last week uh, what's you know over the last couple of weeks we've been seeing what's going on in Wisconsin, how there are many, many more registered voters in Wisconsin. Uh, than are actually people, you know, uh, uh, there's more, there's more registered voters than adults of uh, voting age in Wisconsin or something like that. And, and there's uh, several thousand, it's re- it was reported that there are tens of thousands of people uh, in Wisconsin who've been registered to vote for longer than a hundred years. You know, we, we see, we see these, pro- we saw uh, some of the, the findings from uh, the Arizona audit. Um, and, and and, and, and we see other similar, uh, data points emerging from Georgia and Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, we, we saw, we saw what happened and we saw the, the lockstep, um, reaction from the media and big tech, big tech. It was just like the reaction to the coronavirus where everybody was, you know, everything was arrayed in one direction in unison, right? and they're trying to gaslight us. Yes, there was fraud. There's going to continue to be fraud. Now here's the problem. We still got to get out and vote. If you're a conservative, if you're somebody on the right, if you're somebody who believes in freedom, you still have to get out and vote. I don't believe that voting alone is going to save us, but we should make use of all the tools at our disposal. And one of those tools still is voting. It can still, we can still make a difference at local levels, at state levels. Okay, we can still make that difference. People can still run. if. Uh, if if you're out there and looking for a way uh, to, to make a difference in your community and make a difference in the world, go run yourself for school board or city council or county council, you know, or county commission or mayor or, or whatever it is, maybe even, you know, uh, build your resume, make a congressional run. Uh, th- there's a lot of things you can do at the local level we shouldn't throw out voting just because they rig national elections so that's number one there's still things you can do as a citizen number two we should continue to pressure our state legislatures to uh, to do these audits i i a lot of people think that these audits are a bad idea and that they're just a distraction and and while i i understand where they're coming from i understand where those those um, opinions of despair are coming from uh, i think it's still important to pressure our elected offic- officials to do the right thing some of them if you pressure them will still do the right thing out of their own their own self-interest because they want to be reelected. and so we should also strategically apply pressure and try to make sure that our voting systems are clean and fair and i do not think at the national level that they're clean and fair Uh, We saw that the money that the Mark Zuckerbergs, Mark Zuckerbergs of the world put into the last election, right? I absolutely think that the big tech, big business and these big globalist interests uh, are aligned and they are trying to basically um, systematize or operationalize you know, the regular, the regular, the regularity or the regulation of election results where they can, where, you know, Google manipulates the search results and is able to shift m- massive amounts of votes and Facebook can do it too. Right. And they're able to just get predictable election outcomes and, you know, uh, for the candidates that they want big, big, we know that the better funded candidates, uh, win uh, these big elections over 90% of the time. And so the big money uh, is you know going to control these national you elections? Know, you know what's very
0: what's very interesting about that is that um in the Trump Clinton election, right? Mm-hmm. Trump won, and he actually did not outspend Hillary. And part of it was because he was better at social media marketing. And then people realized, oh my God, because as smart as the overlords are, they realized, oh, we don't actually understand new age marketing, and we didn't understand how important these social media people are, right? And we just didn't mm-hmm. realize that. Like it used to be the amount of money you had to spend. You had to basically get your commercials. That was the only way that you were really influencing people. And so it was just about spending more money. All of a sudden you have digital impressions, which are significantly cheaper. And so Donald Trump was able to run a leaner campaign. That's not the only reason he won, but that was a factor. And I think what you just said is very interesting to me that that was kind of the, um, I mean, maybe Obama also was a little bit slicker with social media, but I do think they realized that how powerful those tools were. And so the powers that be, actually, they weren't going to let that happen twice. And so you're probably right. They're getting much better at figuring out exactly how to advertise and utilize these platforms. One of those is just straight up censorship, right? The, the Biden laptop story just went away. They just realized, hey, we can't have this uh, floating around on social media. And so you're right that um, in terms of dishonest actors, one of them is going to be the more powerful people with the most money being not just best ever best able to leverage these tools, but also just being able to use their power and money to outspend and figure out things that other people, you know what I mean? Which is what you're describing. And it's interesting that like we were still kind of at the first level of using social media and now they've been able to really invest their resources into it. So think about how much harder that machine is going to be to beat.
1: Yes, a- absolutely. Exactly. Uh, you know, we've seen that the tech censorship really ramped up after the election of Trump. Uh, Pre-Trump, uh, there was virtually no censorship on Twitter, you know, anything outside of super egregious stuff. Right? I
0: got to tell you, my, my general perception is that some of these tech guys did not go into this as evil, but basically they had to sat down with the powerful people and they learned the only way that their companies were gonna remain viable and not regulated out of existence or that they weren't gonna show up to congressional hearings and have to answer endlessly bad questions was if they were gonna play ball.
1: I, I suspect you're right. I suspect you're right. At some point along the line, they were purloined, right? And uh, whether that was before their companies were set up or during or after or whenever, you know, other people can argue about that. But I think it's quite clear. I think you're right that, that they've at, at some point at least have read the tea leaves, and their company is not going to be successful if they don't play ball. Absolutely well said, Robbie. Um, and, we see, and we see the results of that. We see the collusion, right? We see how is it that every tech platform operates in lockstep with the same agenda, right? With the same decision making. Uh, we even see people being banned from all the same platforms, like practically on the same day. Look at Alex Jones, right? He was banned from what? Like a t- practically like a dozen different social media platforms, like all on the same day or two. Uh, You know, how does how does something like that happen? You know, how does how does somebody get banned from YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and and Instagram all, you know, all all at the same time, practically, Uh, and 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 quite often for no specific reasons, they're just banned. Uh, Well, there's things happening in the background. There's collusion happening in the background. Right and because they're they're exercising narrative control and these companies have massive power and to get back to your point about Trump yeah he was outspent in in hard you know explicit dollars but he was able to generate more media media coverage that was worth more than Hillary Clinton right, right. from well, sheer force of personality through his use of social media and and that's what they did but that's what they did they 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 throttled his reach on Facebook they throttled his reach on Twitter and ultimately suspended him of course um, and and you know and several other social media platforms either throttled him or suspended him as well they simply said okay you used our platforms to reach the masses and to communicate directly with voters without going through the, the traditional media channels fine we'll just throttle you or suspend you now what are you going to do about it right and it's really affected things and they can do that with any candidate any official any person they want and they are we've seen the purge from Facebook and Twitter, of of tens of thousands hundreds of thousands heck maybe even millions of people on the right who've just been systematically purged from these platforms forever and their voices and their information their opinions are now no longer part of the the societal consciousness if you will uh they're no they're no no longer really part of the uh, the public square they've been just uh, disappeared, if you will, from existence off to some little podunk platform somewhere else that nobody's ever going to hear or see. Um, and and so, uh, so what I see happening, you know, to get back to your original question about voting and the next voting cycle, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And I I can't tell you how I, I don't really, I can't really tell you how it's going to get better, but I can tell you that it's going to get worse because what they've discovered is, is that, is that they, they can control social media. They can control what goes over the airwaves. They're operating in unison and it's going to be very hard for anybody to break through. You ask, well, can a conservative, can a conservative win in the next, next election cycle? And my first question is, all right, let's say that they can, well, who? who's the conservative that that can get more votes and generate more enthusiasm and more voter turnout than Donald Trump did in 2020 i mean that was a, a, an amazing an amazing turnout an amazing time in american history an amazing uh, just astounding level of of enthusiasm out there amongst people were energized. I uh, you the saw those
0: was yeah. Biden's a mostly dead guy, and actually dead people supported him. So <laughs> <you>
1: know, <laughs> yeah, he was very popular. Dead amount, people yeah. were very popular with other dead people, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah the amount of yeah. dead people out there that can yeah. show up and vote, it, you know, they, everyone likes people similar to them.
1: <laughs> so um, so yeah. yeah, I think we still have to get out and vote. I don't, I don't see it because we didn't stop him. They successfully ripped us off this last time around, and if you don't call if you don't call bullshit, and make them show their cards, then they're just going to keep bullshitting. Well, and, one of the, you know,
0: one of the ideas you you mentioned, uh, you know, on here just now, and uh, I like that you do come with some solutions uh, and a positive attitude. Is that get involved local? If we get involved local, you know, there is some element of power there. And they can fight, and we see DeSantis. He's kind of doing his work for Florida, trying to defend it against the federal government. And I was recently reading one of your threads, which I, I thought was fascinating. Uh, while you and I do have some differences in political opinion, I, I I agree that the more localized your government is, the more likely it is to represent your interest, and you know, the less you can have single individuals controlling large honey pots. uh so I, I think it's a win the more local government is the more of a win it is i think for everybody or at least for general people not for the powerful people uh and you put out a whole thread about how you think expanding the amount of people in congress would make a significant impact i was reading through it and i agreed with you uh so i'll hand it to you to maybe educate our fans a little bit on why you think that would be a powerful uh, solution
1: sure. yeah well I, I appreciate you reading that and and uh, promoting that that's um that's actually a cause that's near and dear to my heart it's hard to talk about online because there's so much new nuance and details uh, involved but basically the idea is to expand the House of Representatives the House of Representatives has not been ex- has been frozen basically in time since 1910 all right so so the 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 representation that we get in Congress right now is kind of not any sort of representation at all you know the the, the Constitution, Uh, The the founding fathers, all the way to George Washington himself, uh, insisted uh, that there be, uh, that the level of representation in the House of Representatives be one representative for every 30,000 people. One representative for every every 30,000 people. Currently, that number is something like one for, uh, we have one representative for every 750,000 people. All right. Now, if you think about it, uh, what kind of representation is that? that that each representative there's 750,000 people in their district that they represent. Well, what that what what that means is what they really are just representing the eight or 10 or 12 most prominent money donors and, you know, big business and big powerful special interests that's who they end up representing not the little guy you can't pick up the phone and call your representative you can't uh it's very hard to keep tabs on uh your representative because there's so little accountability and transparency right now they're not close enough to the people we're not getting representation i mean raise your hand if you feel like your representative is actually representing you and your interests right Uh, so what I think we need to do is we need to uncap the house. That's an, in my opinion, that's an unconstitutional that's an unconstitutional thing that they've done, capping the house. Now, the Supreme Court has sort of tapped out on that. They said, ah, oh, it's not something we can rule on. So, what you have here is a favorite have,
0: excuse, by the way.
1: Yeah. It's a little, right? It's a little detente between the three branches of the federal government where they each sort of have agreed to sort of let the other branch play in its own little sandbox and not infringe upon each other. And then together, the, the three branches of the federal which, by government, the,
0: way, the whole idea of it was that the other branches would restrict the powers of the other ones. It wasn't like, hey, it's like they it they more like the mafia. You got your turf and I'm going to leave you your turf as long as you leave me my turf, which is the opposite of the way I kind of understood the construction of it was that, no, you guys are going to kind of keep each other in checks so that no
1: one no one just has their little territory to be evil within. That's exactly right, that's exactly right, but that's what they've done that's that's what's happened and And so, as a whole, there's no effective check on the federal government anymore. It used to be that the states provided a check on the federal government because the state legislatures uh, appointed our senators. and so the Senate was a state level check on the federal government so so if you're thinking about checks and balances, everybody understands that you know the executive branch. know, there's checks and balances on the executive branch from the legislative branch and from the judicial branch and that there's checks and balances on the judicial branch from the the legislative branch and the executive branch and and so on and so forth. But what happens, like you said, if they turn into like mafiosos and just carve out their territory and leave each other alone? Well, who's checking the federal government as a whole? Well, it there's two, there's there's the populace, there's the people, us, and then there's the states as entities. And when you have... Uh, when, when the states were in charge of the Senate, that was a very powerful check on Congress. If you think about everything that the Congress has power to do and vote on, uh, the states had power over that. For instance, the budget, the federal budget, you as a person have no power over the federal budget and neither do the states, the federal government can do whatever it wants on the budget, but that didn't used to be the case. If the states didn't like the budget that the Congress was considering, they could simply vote it down through their, through their uh, representation in the Senate. You know, if you had a declaration of war, you know, or you wanted to appoint a Supreme Court justice, you know, these things that require Senate, the Senate uh, confer- you know, a Supreme Court justice re- uh, requires confirmation from the Senate Right. Well, since the states controlled the Senate, the states had a direct say in who was going to be on the Supreme Court. They had a direct say on whether or not we were going to go to war. Anything that has to be run through the Senate, you know, anything, the states had a direct say in. But now that the states do not appoint uh, uh, the senators anymore, uh, there is no entity, there is no entity sufficiently strong enough or organized enough to be a check on the federal government as a whole. All right. So, So that's one check. So then the, that leaves the people. And we, as people, are horrible checks on the federal government. I think that's been borne out in time. We have not been able to vote our way uh, out of runaway government tyranny. We're not sufficiently organized. We, don't ha- we, we lack the power. However, if we were to increase the number of, of representatives, that, that, what that means, if you think about it, that means we also make legislative districts smaller. We make them smaller, right? We make them smaller and we have more representatives. So so what that means is you place the representatives closer to the people. It makes it more accessible for normal people to run, okay? It makes it easier to get a hold of your representatives and, and hold them accounta- accountable. It turns out that when you have the smaller legislative districts, it increases transparency. Uh, it's harder for them to do these little backroom deals that get lost in the shuffle, right? Um, it also leads to better lawmaking. Uh, uh, because rather than one representative sitting on a dozen or a couple dozen different committees and splitting their time, uh, you know, spreading themselves thin across a bunch of stuff. They're not experts on what you do is you sit, you, 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 de- you sit on one or two committees and develop a great amount of expertise in one area. Right. So, so actually you get better rep- representatives who are, who get, who are better at studying the issues and implementing good policies. Another thing that happens when you have more representatives in smaller legislative districts is that it becomes harder for special interests to form coalitions to screw the people right because now you have to wrangle more votes yeah uh right now there's you only have to wrangle what two hundred and and uh seventeen or two hundred and eighteen votes out of the House of Representatives to get anything done that's not that's not a lot of people. you can buy off a couple hundred people or 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 the or the twenty or thirty people you need, if if it if things are going down ideological lines and there's a little bit of mixing there at the you know at the interface between the two sides, oh, it's easy to get those last fifteen or twenty or twenty five votes. Or sometimes it's only one, like Joe Manchin. Can you get Joe Manchin in the Senate, or can you get these four representatives from? From this point, you know, can you get them on board with this? Uh, but if you if you if you were to vastly increase the number of representatives, that makes it so much harder to form coalitions. It makes it so much harder for special interests and, and tyrannies to to form the the needed coalitions. Right, uh, there's a lot more people off the reservation, so to speak. Uh, harder to wrangle. So only only the best policies, only the most general, broadly um, uh, helpful and uh policies only the policies that have the most broad support are going to be able to to get the necessary coalitions to form uh you would also uh, create openings for third and fourth and fifth parties rather than the stranglehold that these two cartels the republican party and the democrat party have over american politics uh if if you if you were to increase the house representatives say to to two to three thousand representatives uh well that all of a sudden that that makes an opening That makes an opening for other ideas, for other smaller minor parties to start getting a voice in the government and rather than people having to feel like, well, I've got to be a Democrat or Republican or I've got to because
0: like if I live in a really small community of other libertarians, I could potentially get a libertarian in Congress, but you might have in every single state there's four or five of those communities, right? And so now all of a sudden you got a whole bunch of libertarians versus when everyone's got the perception perception within their state of hey, we can only get a few people in here. And if I'm running an off candidate, then I'm just throwing away my vote because there's no chance to win, uh, then no one actually does it. And and also the more you diversify the parties, like if you were to split one of the parties, you could split the other party because they would end up mirroring each other. Where, like, if you had a, you know, super constitution conservative conservative, hey, we're gonna keep a Totally fiscal budget, you know, conservative, like hardcore legitimate conservatives, hopefully without the crazy talk of, you know, going to war and putting everyone in jail, which maybe is a debate for you and I on another time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: you would also open up the door for the kind of the Democrats to split parties too and for your Bernie Sanders to kind of just create their own unit of uh, within the debt. You know what I mean? Like the two would kind yes. of split equally because then it, the second your far right exists, then all of a sudden your far left is viable because neither one needs as much of a winning coalition to actually
1: win. So you don't feel like it's a wasted cause. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. And, and, and we return to factionalism, right from right from the Federalist Papers, right from the founding fathers. You can read about factions in Federalist Number 10, how they say, how are we going to restrain government? Well, by having a lot of factions that compete against each other right? But right now we don't have enough factions. There's two factions. And really there's only kind of one faction because the same people donate to both sides and control both sides. And because we've, we've allowed the house of representatives to be so small, these special interests and these big moneyed interests are able to, you know, uh, spend enough money and control both sides. So, and what I want people to think about is where's it, 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 if people don't believe me, think about this where is it easier to get transparency and accountability on your local school board or from your national us representative where do you get more accountability and transparency i think everybody would agree that it's easier to get accountability and transparency at the school board level why is that because it's more local it's smaller, it's more manageable, you have more direct contact with your member on the school board, it's harder for them to hide. And it's the same principle if we create more legislative districts, make them smaller and have more representatives. It brings them closer to the people, it increases accountability, it increases contact. Another thing is that kind of people hate money in politics, right? Well, it is tremendously expensive to run for office and it takes a lot of money to win one of these districts because uh, they're worth so much money it, one vote in a house of representatives is worth a ton of money it's worth a ton of money on any particular vote or issue you know one of those 218 votes those are precious commodities those are rare precious commodities so they're very valuable but all of a sudden if there are way more of those seats and way more of those votes well now they're not so rare and precious anymore and what that means, practically speaking, is it doesn't. It won't take as much money to run. It won't take as many resources to run. So it actually opens up um, competition uh, for those legislative seats, competition for ideas, competition amongst people. It makes uh, it makes the representative democracy of our country more vibrant, more viable, less controlled. Uh, there's more competition in the in the marketplace of ideas, in the marketplace of running for office. Uh, so that's a good thing for people as well. So I, I think that uh, that this is a real solution because everybody wants their voice to be heard. Everybody wants their vote to mean more on both sides, on any side. Any side you're on, you want your voice to be heard. You want your vote to be worth more. And so I think that this is an idea that could be broadly applicable, increasing the size of the House of Representatives. It, fact- it increases factions, makes it harder for bad legislation yep. to pass, you know. You know what else is
0: interesting about that? I, that? I was just thinking this while you're talking is I bet I uh, cynical people are also the most likely to be in the category of just wanting to be left the hell alone. Mm-hmm. And I bet that's a pretty large contingent of people that don't vote. I yeah. uh, include, I include myself in that category. Sure. And so it'd be interesting if uh, you actually really knew the guy that was voting and he was really local and he actually had some power. If maybe you'd end up actually encouraging a lot of people that are, disinterested and removed from politics to actually go, oh, my vote will make a difference or, oh, yeah, like we actually do have some power here. That, that That's a that's a pretty interesting idea.
1: Exactly that. You're exactly right, Robbie. It, it reinvigorates people, reenergizes them, gets them interested again, because, yeah, a lot of people are disinterested right now because their vote is meaningless. It's watered down by thousands or millions of other votes. It's it's practically meaningless. They're yeah, never gonna meet to
0: empower these people. That's also part of it. Like yeah. you, you look at your options, you're like, I want no part of this.
1: You want no part of this. But 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 now if they're smaller and you have a chance to know your guy and meet him or talk to him and he knows you uh and it becomes more manageable. Now here's here's some here's some what the detractors will say to these kinds of things and we have to address this. Uh they'll say, well aren't you just expanding the size of government if we increase the House of Representatives? Aren't you just making government bigger? Well the answer is no, we're not because what people don't understand is that congressional staffs staffs have about um on average, these are rough numbers, on average about 20 Whoa, people.
0: Interesting. I got right? you. they, they, they have, have
1: these massive Right. They have these massive, massive staffs that are drawing salary, that are doing research, that are fundraising. Pretty much everybody's just fundraising, and so that's another. So uh, to 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 quickly go back, uh, increasing the House of Representatives meaning make means making smaller district sizes means uh, empowering uh, people who are less rich. It, it defangs the money, so to speak, spreads it around. Um, <clears throat> but. So so these, so what has happened since they froze the House of Representatives in 1910 is that the congressional staffs have grown. The number of the House, uh, the number of representatives hasn't grown, but their staffs have grown. So where it's like the average congressman has like over 20, 20 staff people now. All right. So what you do is you, so if you're concerned about salaries or this or that or whatever, you simply make a tradeoff. You, you simply take you know, uh, you know, since we're, t- I'll just use the number. I think that the house of representatives ought to be at around somewhere around 2000, people right now. And uh, there's a lot of technicalities I'm not going to get into, but people can go find my thread and read and read what they are. Uh, but what you do is you, you say, okay, you, you, you basically get rid of 2000 staff of the tens of thousands of staff members or whatever, you get rid of 2000 of them and you make those representatives. So it's revenue neutral, it's salary neutral, it's body neutral, but now rather than them, rather than being staffers uh, that are running interference and answering the phones and doing the fundraising, it's actual representatives that are taking calls and doing fundraising and talking to the people. uh, Right. And, And casting votes. I just want
0: to point out to the people in the chat because I got a pretty hardcore libertarian fan base. And so they're throwing things out there like, yeah, but the school boards and look at how the schools work and, you know, the country, it's immoral. And I'd like to point out that Sam is pointing out a potential solution for how we can make it better. He's not saying that this is now your perfect government structure or that there won't be any flaws with government or that there will be perfect representation we're putting forward an idea for what would be a drastic improvement and might create building blocks for what could then push forward to something way better. I and I think Sam you would agree with me on that. Absolutely.
1: It's a it's a step, right? It's a yes. step. People are like, "Well, well, this isn't going to solve everything." Okay, maybe not, but that means you don't want something better? I mean, like you don't want better representation? Like, shouldn't you? So I can't have perfect representation. Therefore, I don't want better representation someone, either. That makes no sense, right? It makes someone, no sense. I'm sorry. Someone uh, just had a
0: good burn, which said, thanks for status explaining, Robbie. I appreciate <laughs> that. Right. that just, I'm going to move into one last yeah. topic here. And uh, Sam, it is a little bit of a spicier topic. So I I, I allow you to plead the fifth, if you so please. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> so... Uh, I grew up very different than you. I'm I'm a Jewish guy from New York, Connecticut. You know, I went to went to Jew schools growing up, grew up very different. Mm -hmm. I still find something that's interesting of people that grew up from my time period is that there was some things that I saw as being cultural norms. Didn't matter color of skin, where you lived. Ideas such as you don't complain, you don't tattle, you work hard. We're not pro-socialist like there were just certain things that to me, kind of existed within the framework of the American identity. One of the the themes I see from you kind of on your Twitter is, um, a a passion for some sort of like an American heritage and some sort of an idea of what, what it is to be an American. And it borders sometimes on what people would consider spicy or dangerous ideas that like, so I, I, hand it back to you to kind of like Why do you think it is that we live in an environment we're not really allowed to even discuss what we feel is like a a true American? And what do you think are kind of like the core values that you think, uh, you know, these supposed true Americans are supposed to
1: have? Oh, yeah, that is that is quite a that is quite a set of spicy topics, is it? But, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to back down. Listen, I share these things publicly. People can follow me on Gab. They can follow me on Twitter. They can see what my ideas are. Uh, I don't self-censor. Uh, I probably should. That's probably smart. It would probably be <laughs> smart, could. but I don't It'd make it less yes. interesting. Like, yeah. you,
0: you know what I mean. Have ideas, share them. That that's what uh, I. I mean, that's how we all educate ourselves. That's how we all yeah. figure out. Oh, I wasn't right on that one. I, I a lot of this show for me is I'm thinking out loud and I say that, and I I I, I also think when you don't have as much of an ego about ideas. That's when you're a little bit more open to critical reasoning and throwing things out there and going, hey, I wasn't right. Or just hearing from other people and going, oh, my God, I never thought about that. So this is
1: definitely a safe space for, uh, you know, (laughs) speak in your mind. Sure. Yeah. So so one of the I have come to, to to opine, it's my opinion that there are several critical flaws in. Traditional modern conservatism, uh, things that I used to unironically believe and hold to be true, but I have since questioned and uh, am questioning, or have rejected. Uh, one of one of these uh, main lies, um, I think that that conservatives tell our, that we that we parrot and tell ourselves. It sounds noble, but it's actually untrue. And that is that all we need is the Constitution. The Constitution is all we need, and that is the highest, most fundamental thing. Uh, and as long as we, as long as everybody just sticks to the constitution, then we'll be fine. I used to believe that I no longer believe that. And here's why the constitution was never, it it did not order our American society. It is not what underpinned and ordered society. It was like the cherry on top society was already ordered largely, so to speak, if you will, uh, with a culture and, and a way of life and an ethos and a work ethic and a, and, and, a and, and, liberty and freedom and these things, uh, and the way people dealt with each other and interacted the foundations of society, church, people, community, all these types of things, those all pre-existed the constitution. The constitution was like the final little cherry on top. That sort of was like the last little bit of, okay, this is how we're going to do our government. We have our society, we have our culture, we have our way of life. We have our societal predilections, and now we're gonna find finish the ordering process, if you will, with this with this document, with this governmental structure that's gonna kind of sit right. on top, I, right? And so
0: in in some ways it almost it, it piggybacked that people already had a built-in morality from religion. There like, you um, go. That, that, no, I, I understand this because yeah. I, I don't know who specifically said it of the founding fathers, but my perception of um I I, I'm not that knowledgeable in history, but I feel like Ben Franklin, maybe some of the others, they didn't necessarily have full faith in, um, maybe like a full faith in like Christianity, but they saw the importance of it and they saw that it was like necessary for man. And that like, it was a different framework. And I do think that there probably is some truth to this. I think I'm an exceptional human being, so I can live without it and still live a life of morality. Uh Um, But it's only because I was uh, and uh, I spent a lot of years absorbing religious values. And I think if I hadn't had that base as a kid, I don't Uh think I'd have the same perception of our reality. And I do think that there's something to be said for either you need like perfectly game theoried economic structures that like can somehow recreate that where like you have to really be creating value in order to get paid. And you have mm-hmm. to have a culture where you have sound money that actually incentivize savings. And so mm-hmm. people aren't just running around trying to consume all the time. I don't think that there's any structure uh, so brilliant on a mass scale right now that it can circumvent like, you know, what you're describing of if people actually came to the table with a more moral and communitive approach, then, you know, you don't, you, you actually don't need as strong of a government And you don't need a strong of law. Like if no one's going outside and as a theoretical, if everyone had perfect morality and never went outside and raped, murder and steal and stole, how many laws would you need and how much of a police force would you need? Sadly, we don't live in that world. So we need these things, right? And so to your point that, you know, the constitution is only as strong as the enforcement of it and people's kind of. Like desire for it. But like you were saying, it's not it, it's not the only tool. The other tool is you need some sort of an educated mass for, you know, uh, uh, like a particular morality or how far are you going to get without that?
1: Yeah, and it and, and well said, Robbie. And it's not just it's not just that we have to you know enforce the constitution. It's got to be strong enough. Or we got to enforce it, or how are we going to? The point is, is that it doesn't have to be enforced because people or, or people just naturally live it. It's only as it's not as strong. The constitution is not as strong as its enforcements, it, 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 which is what I think you said. It's only as strong as how we enforce it. It's only as strong as the people themselves like the 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 average strength of the individual is what we're going after here in terms of morality um uh but to to put a cap on that and i think you might have been remembering john adams he said the constitution was only made for a religious and immoral people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other and what he's saying there is is that this constitution uh, was designed for people who are already moral and religious right who are already have their society and their li- and their own individual lives ordered this way right and if they don't have uh, their lives and society ordered this way then this constitution is inadequate so so basically what he's saying there is that the foundation of society was not the constitution the constitution was was made for the foundation that was already there but but somehow in modern times we've reversed that and we've made the constitution the foundation of society rather than values and culture right Rather than values and culture being the foundation of our society, we've made uh, uh, the constitution and a set of limited government principles the foundation of our society. And that's completely upside down and reverse of what the founders envisioned and what they did. And so so that's the myth that the, the constitution is all we need and that it's insufficient for ordering society. That's the myth. The truth is America was founded upon a specific people and culture and land. And, and ideas and morality and religion, all of these things, you know, there's genetic components, there's racial components, there's ethnic components, there's cultural components, there's religious components. There's all these things that are kind of gone into a pot, if you will. And, and it created what we think of as classical America. All right. And so, so it is my opinion that if, uh, that you cannot get rid of Of classical America, that stew, you can't replace that stew with something else. And just because you have the Constitution, you still have America. You see what I'm saying?
0: No, it's a fascinating idea. I almost need some time to think on it. Like, I, 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 it's, um... It's a, I, it's a deep concept. I need some time to think about. it. I'm not saying yay or nay. I just yeah. I, under, I just understand the perspective. Um, yeah. I kind of do think that you can game theory um, I, well I, I I do think two things. One is uh-huh. I do think you can you can kind of game theory incentives um, and figure out structures that I, I actually do think rewards the right behavior and gets you to what you're what you're looking for. Um, right. And, and, the, and then there's also a P and not we don't have that right now. I'm just saying mm-hmm. conceptually, I do think you can have that. And then I also think I'm kind of a fan of when you put down like a, a list of rules Um, that those are the list of rules. And I don't like hearing about because they do this with other like swinging the other way. Well, that's not really what they meant. Well, that's the way it's written. So sometimes I do feel like if if like, you know, if you're going to put put down your list of rules and go, all right, as long as we're kind of keeping this list of rules, I think that this country is going to be OK and, you know, we're going to we're going to group it together and it's going to be legitimate. Now, obviously, some people you start looking at the history, the Constitution didn't get passed that easily. And, you know, it's not like those, those people were just man and not everyone was into it at the time. It was still a pretty good, you know, potentially a pretty good structure. But I would kind of just I would almost like if I was those people, though, Like, my rule number one would be, hey, listen, here are really good rules, but it's predicated." like I would put that into the document. You know what I mean? I wouldn't leave that to uh, interpretation from like, in other words, I like I'm a sales guy or I've written college papers. You got to put your most important idea first. If you got a thesis, which is, hey, I've got rules for organizing, man, but these rules aren't powerful enough. We need this other thing, which is that everyone who's a, like going to we're going to stand by the, like these rules only work for, let's just say, theoretically, white Christians. I got great rules for white Christians. It wouldn't work for other people. I mean, maybe you have that in there because uh, I mean, it's all men were created equal, but they were slaves at that time. So maybe that could be the technical argument for why other groups of people were being uh, were maybe that's the point. Maybe maybe I mean, that becomes a, a like a, a more flagrantly racist argument that They clearly were precluding other individuals and we've perverted it, Um, but I'll hand it back to you. I mean, just at face value, that would be my only, you know, jump reaction criticisms of the idea.
1: Yeah. You know, so no, we still need rules, right? I'm I'm not saying get rid of the constitution. Listen, nobody loves the constitution more than me. I I want to repair it. I want to re-enshrine it. I want to re-enthrone it and reinvigorate it and restore it, right? I, I love the constitution. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a miracle, I don't want people to get the idea that we don't need it, or or whatever. What I'm saying is, is it in of it, it alone in and of itself is insufficient to order our society and to preserve classical American society. It alone is insufficient because there were other things that were undergirding the rise of America and the culture of America besides this Constitution. You know what and I'll say though things-
0: to support yeah. you, and I, I like I'm okay with this. Is that people should at least like. You don't you, like you don't have to live here. You don't have to live anywhere. And I think part of the importance and why I like more localized government is that I, I think a big part of it is what people opt into, what people are actually excited for. Like, I do think on mm-hmm. a localized level, if people are really excited about socialism and they want to work their ass off to make it work, a, a big part of a, any structure working is that people actually like it and they want to make that thing work. So mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is, listen, if we if if America was an idea and it was a very successful one part of what made it successful was that there were people with a particular um understanding of morality that also wanted this set of rules but they understood that the two things should work in tandem so if you're here even if you didn't like even if you don't necessarily have those values you should at least respect that that's actually what the structure is supposed to be here like you should at least yeah. you like you should at least respect like Hey, I'm not going to church, but like, I do understand why that's very important here. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to like get in the way of their thing or like, I don't want to, um, I mean, like you do get some gray lines there of like, what exactly, uh, should or shouldn't be enforced or who exactly should or shouldn't be a citizen. Uh, but I do understand like, uh, I I mean, just to speak to myself personally, I'm no longer a, like, uh, um, I, I can be, I, I, as much as possible, I do try and challenge myself, but I can be a bit of a compulsive individual and I'm no longer a person of religion. I'm not a guy who hates on people for having religion. I do think that it's important and it's a value and I have a lot of respect for it. And I'm not even saying that I'm right for my lifestyle. That's a very different reproach, uh, approach and respect for religion than what I hear from like other leftists or atheists who really will look down or go almost like they're introducing negatives because they're invested in this old thing. Um, and so I, I do kind of at least understand that of if, if, if like America had a certain structure and that was the idea for this thing, let's understand that like the idea of this thing was not just the constitution. So the way people look at the founding fathers and go like, you know, they almost look at them like gods. Like they had this wisdom that we didn't, and they were able to forge these rules that we couldn't. And so we have to live by that. It's not just that it was also some of the culture that they were trying to create to go in tandem with it. Uh, and i I don't think that's like an I don't think that's unfair in any capacity
1: yeah I, I agree with you and and nobody's and I'm not talking about we should punish or enforce things um I do think that there's a role for promotion promotion promoting of a certain uh, a certain way uh, what I would call the American way um but you know what is America well it's more than an idea it's a people there was a specific people with a specific blood and a specific culture a specific religion specific um Morality system. But do you think uh,
0: the blood actually makes a difference? Like, do you think that that's actually an important variable?
1: Yes, I do, and and I'll tell you why. um Listen, is are are China and the United States the same country? No. Can you go to Ch- no? Is Mexico and the United States the same country?
0: But here, I do think.
1: Sec- follow me here for a second. Follow me here for a second. Follow me for a second. Okay. Are they the same country? I mean, no. do they seem the same? Do they come across the same? No. No. Uh what about uh, go pick uh any African country? Is it the same as as uh, so let's we'll pick like say um <laughs> I don't know, uh the Sudan and and then and then we'll pick um Australia. Are they the same? No. No. Uh and you can do this with any culture you want. You can compare any two ethnicities or cultures or major centers around the world. They're not the same. And it's okay that they're not the same. It's fine. <laughs> it's great right? But they're not the same. And, and what I'm saying is, is you can't, America was, was this stew of things. It was a stew of things. And it can be hard to pick apart what all those things are, but we know that this is what America started as. And this, this is what America was predominantly. This was America. America was Christian. It was white. It was Western European. uh, It was, uh, um, it it had a a love for liberty and limited government. Uh, It, you know uh, it had this penchant for creating government documents based around covenants of the old Testament. That's where our, our constitution ultimately grows out of the earlier compacts and contracts uh, of the original colonies, right. That grew out of uh, their love for covenants and, and, and banding together. Those things came but from so a religious perspective, right? When,
0: when, but when you get to the end of that and you say yeah. they banded over for a, a love of, so to me, if I were to take like, yes, all the countries you mentioned are very different Do so I think that there's people that live in all of those countries that I could get along with and potentially for, for forge rules that we like that we would all agree upon and have a highly functioning society. I also think that, too, like I've gotten I'm lucky enough as a comic that I get to like kind of roam, uh-huh. roam a lot of the country, interact with a lot of different people. And more than I find race or culture, it's like certain individuals can kind of wake up. I find that, especially amongst the libertarians, the, the people that find this, it, it's not one particular person and it's not a genetic makeup, Is more it's, it's some people kind of dig the idea of freedom. And so I get along with those people, but like they could come from any, like they're like, you know what I mean? There's cool people in every country. I'm absolutely, not... we're,
1: and we're not saying that th- th- these people are bad, we're not saying that at all. Um, what what we are saying is, can you take the founding stock of a country, the fa- with its culture, with its values, with its genetics, with its ethic, uh, with its ethnic predilections, you know, whatever those are and however they come about, can you take all of those things and replace them with something else and still have the original thing? So, in practical terms, can you take the founding stock of America, white Western European Christians? This is where we're getting spicy, right? Right. And we're not, we're not saying that, that other religions are bad, right? We're not saying that other ethnicities are bad. Um, we're not saying that other races are bad or other cultures are bad. We're not saying that we're saying that this is a, but classical America is a, it's its own specific, uh, blood ethnicity set of values, religions. It, it was its own unique mixture, just like any other country is its own unique mixture. Right. And we're saying, can you take that and replace it with something else and still have that still okay. have? I, so he,
0: I guess here's where your and I perspectives yeah. differ. And it's something that I will continue to think about. I'm not saying I'm walking yeah. away from this and I go, all right, I had an answer. So in with I, I do think that you can game theory a set of rules that, yes, it incentivize behavior in a way. That uh, with an opt in, I'm not like, in other words, you know, it, it, you're right. If you end up with all people that vote away your rules, then what were your rules worth? Like, unless you have some sort of like, I, I mean, Bitcoin is kind of, are you a fan of Bitcoin in any capacity? Is it something you follow?
1: I like, I like the idea of Bitcoin. I, 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 for me, the jury, and, and, uh, and I dabble. Uh, And and whatnot, but uh, uh, just to to not get us too far afield, I do like the the promise of Bitcoin. I still have my suspicions on whether or not governments are going to allow it to to be. I agree with you, if you will. As a theoretical,
0: with Bitcoin and the way that it's decentralized and established by a set of like a set of rules, almost our issue when when it comes to government is that like you know the Constitution there were rules, but then we left it to man. And man was able to kind of be corrupt and decide whether or not they were going to enforce it. So what's oh amazing, at least at the moment when it comes to Bitcoin, is those rules are not in the hands of people that it can be corrupted. We can't just decide we're going to pay this guy a billion dollars tomorrow, that there's going to be a tax on like it, it's running in a decentralized fashion. Um, so is there a way almost to create a government in a decentralized type fashion that's like attached to rules that are, it's almost like uh, the movie you ever see the original, the day the earth stood still.
1: Yes, but it's been a while, but yeah, I have seen it.
0: I mean, I don't yeah. even. Remember, I remember just finding that, I, that idea fascinating of kind of the, ro- the anti-violence robot that, and I don't remember what went wrong in that movie, but I, I seem to remember that that was kind of, it was like a smarter thing from a different place that came here. That was just going to kind of police away violence which uh-huh. also just becomes interesting. So like if you did have some sort of non-man entity that was more intelligent or something that we created and kind of took out, the, it took out of the hands of man that, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. We're kind of, we're kind of in trippy, weirder space now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the first part of that sounds an awful lot like God. What if we take a, an alien yeah. super <laughs> intelligence that polices? Oh, you mean like God? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. right. or, uh, but then, but then the second part is, well, what if we can create a machine that mimics God? Right. And, and then yeah, place ourselves under, the, uh, under, 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 you're right. So it, it's difficult. And, 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 uh, you know, I do sympathize with this point of view, like let's, and I do happen to agree with it largely. I don't think anybody, I don't, I don't think anybody we should let anybody come to America that doesn't want to live a certain set of rules and, and, and respect our rights. Like I don't care if you can run a business and create value, but if you don't believe in freedom and like the right to bear arms and the freedom of speech, then I don't want you. I don't care right. if you're white. I don't care if you're Christian. I don't care if you're Mexican. I don't care if you're Chinese or Jewish or whatever the hell you are. I don't care if you don't believe in freedom and liberty and liberty, limited government and and basic morality and, and you know these types of things and the right to bear. If you don't believe that stuff and you don't support that stuff, I don't want you here. All That's right, so not that, America. You know. Last
0: question. And honestly, yeah. you, you, you can plead the fifth. So your, your idea kind of is that like, um, it's almost like if you had a recipe and you, you can shake up, like if you had a recipe for a stew, stew's got a lot of ingredients uh-huh. in there, so it can accommodate some changes, right? Sure. Like yeah. you might, you might ditch on pepper, but how many other ingredients you're putting into a stew? It's not going to ruin the stew or like you might be able to change up the meat, but like, you know, if you completely change from meat to, you know, like not even to soy, but then to beet products. Now you're looking at a different stew. So part of the fabric of America is that it needs to retain some of the original recipe in order to kind of still be a country that will, you know, stand by the Constitution, possibly uh, be honorable or kind of the vision of what you see. So what about the Jewish people is such a bad ingredient that less of it, distorts more stew wait wait the less the,
1: re- rephrase yeah, so that well, like, rephrase that yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's like some ingredients you know it's like maybe like italians it, it's a little bit closer it's not that spicy of ingredients you can add a bunch of them to the stew it doesn't really mess things up but it's like just a little bit of jew in there starts really messing up the whole stew right so i'm asking what is it about the jewish people that they're such a like spicy ingredient that they mess up
1: so much stew, even with just a little bit. Well, those are interesting words. I don't know. What is it, Robbie? You tell me, I mean, you're Jewish. What if, if that's the case, think, if, if that's I the don't... case that Jews mess up the stew, why, why yeah. is that? No, because I
0: don't, I, I don't really, I, it's funny to me because uh, I, I don't, I don't really see it because the, the institutions that I grew up in were big on, uh, and it's just not what the stereotypes are. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that everyone stands by it, But like, at least within the religious institutions, they were very into not desecrating God's name, which Mm -hmm. meant like, don't do things that people like don't like. And they were Mm -hmm. big on being honest in business, which is not the Jewish stereotypes in any capacity. Uh, Uh, And and I do find that we're not like, you know, there's different like I sometimes I look at the people in the Fed. and I'm like, Jesus Christ, why are all these people like this is terrible? But then we didn't create the Fed. And I don't think we really create markets. I think the problem is that we're we're smart. And, uh, sometimes when, uh, you know, like it, 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 there's ones that are doing good and there are ones that are doing bad, but some of the ones that have gravitated to her bad are kind of smart and successful. And so they kind of dominate some of the bad, some of the bad fields, but that doesn't mean that they're, we're all bad, but you know, I also under, like, I also understand why people look at the numbers of people in jobs and they're just like, this seems a little bit disproportional uh, but I don't see that as kind of like the rock solid evidence of the entire group being bad.
1: Yeah. So so you're talking about like you seem to be talking about how Jews are do- dominate things like the media, the ownership and, and staffing of media. Is that is that something that you're referring to?
0: Sure. But no, it, it was the thread yeah. which I, I laughed when I saw it. I just thought it was so funny was uh, there was a criticism with um uh, with Kyle Rittenhouse where you were poking at. That everyone who seemed to be taking the other side of that, and by the other side of that, I mean anything other than it was insane that the prosecutors even brought that to trial. Mm-hmm. And it's insane that they allowed all the violence to go on over the summer and that they're allowing people to absolutely just destroy places. They don't seem to care about people's businesses or property. And then you got this one guy who actually went out, tried to help out. He shouldn't have been there, but it's okay. Like at the end of the day, he was defending himself. And that shouldn't have even gone to trial. So you were pointing out, like, it seems clear that you were saying to you, it seemed pretty clear that, like, why is it that only Jewish people seem to be taking and protesting on the other side of this? And then I like, I was just noticing last Twitter. I was laughing. I mean, and by the way, I'm not criticizing. I think like, mm-hmm. I like you as a dude. I'm not. I'm uh, sure,
1: sure. I actually, and I like you too, Robbie. I like you too. You're one of my, you know, you're one of my like bestie non besties. You know what I mean?
0: I love it. I think that yeah. there's, I think that when, when, when it comes from, I'm like, there's an intelligence behind this perspective. So that's what I'm trying to get. And I'm curious to know like what the, what the claim is and what the intelligence is behind it.
1: Yeah. So, so the thread that you're referring to, so here, here, here's, and I want to be careful here. Got to be careful always with this topic. Here's and By the, the way, thing. I if yeah. you want, if you, yeah. if
0: this is a better off air conversation, I respect it. I I don't yeah. like, I'm not trying to bust you or get you in trouble.
1: Yeah, no, no, no I get it. No, listen, what I was trying to do with that thread was this. I wasn't trying to say, uh, and if it came across this way, uh, that you know, like, that Jews were the problem and it was all the fault of Jews or, or whatever. That was not the problem. What I was trying to highlight was that there was an aspect to the story that's not being covered here. There's an aspect of the story uh, that, that, uh, that, you know, and, and that was this, that those three people that, you know, attacked Kyle Rittenhouse were Jewish. And, um, and that seemed to be influencing the coverage okay. to me. And so that was the, that was the case that I was trying to make. Here's, uh, there were people who there was, I even included a tweet from, uh, and by the uh way, what's, what's yeah. fair about that
0: yeah. is that if any three, like firstly, we all know that if they were all black, we never would have heard the end of that. They almost tried to disguise the fact that they weren't black. If they all happened to have been Asian, I mean, they would have gone nuts. Hey, look, this is Asian hate. Um, Mm. Or if they were all, I don't know, as a theoretical, we knew that they were white nationalists, then for sure it would have gotten different coverage. Nazis, right? Nazis. Yeah, exactly. If you managed to kill Nazis somehow, if Nazis were out protesting, that would make a big difference. So how is it that these three people share the same nationality? Uh, We're all out committing violence. And I guess that's not even an item of interest
1: not even an item of interest and they were being protected. It was like the media kept holding them up to be these. um, Including uh, one of them was
0: like a child pedophile. That was uh, the Rosenbaum or something. Rosenbaum
1: was a pedophile Huber, like, you know, beat his girlfriend and, and Grosskreutz was a, you know, a felon and, you know, Kim had committed crimes. Uh, These were criminals. they were out burning down businesses. they were out causing mayhem and violence and threatening death. And, you know, and, and we saw that Grosskreutz, you know, pulled a gun on Kyle and, Huber was hitting him in the head with a skateboard and Rosa Baum was trying chasing him down, trying to get the gun and threatening to shoot him. And and these were not good people. But yet the media was just like lining up behind them, uh, not telling you about any of that, uh, making them into some kind of martyrs for a cause, uh, you know, carrying their water, uh, even calling them like uh, uh anyway, so the, the point was, is I'm like, why, why are they getting coverage like this? Why, why is the coverage being slanted like this? Well, so then I noticed they're all Jewish. Right. And, and most of the media, a lot of the media, and I, you can go look at it in the thread. And I mean, you've just kind of, it sounded to me like you kind of admitted it. That It seems like there's a lot of Jews in media.
0: Well, I was, I was working off yeah. of, it's not, it's not something I've researched. So I'm not saying it's true or yeah. not true. I saw your chart. Where you were highlighting uh, positions, and I think if you're if you're looking at that chart and that chart is accurate, then I mean that seemed pretty. I I I saw that on your Twitter that you posted a chart with I think like names of executives at media companies and like all the Jews were in red and everyone else was in black and it was like I I don't know let's say uh, probably a ten to one ratio or maybe even a 15 to one ratio of Jews to non-Jews. And then you might've even had a secondary chart for like Hollywood executives or something along those lines. But I, I you know, these things pass your, your thread and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But that doesn't mean like I absorb 100% of it.
1: Sure, yeah. And so, so listen, uh, I call my my Twitter, it's a non-safe space. We'll, we'll talk about difficult issues. We'll diff- talk about difficult controversial issues. And so I just said, I asked the question, basically I'm asking the question in that thread, could it be? Could it be uh, that one of the reasons why these guys are getting a pass in the media was simply just some in-group preference? Just like, uh, you know, black people will protect black people, Christians will protect Christians, white people will protect white people. Any any group uh, displays something called in-group preference. And so I'm asking the question, it, could it be that there's a hidden aspect to this whole Kyle Rittenhouse coverage uh, that uh, that there were these activist Jews who were out, uh, and, and I even included a tweet from a, a Jewish, a blue check Jewish gal who said that Rosenbaum, one of these, one of these people that Kyle shot was out there just practicing Judaism. That's what she said. And I included right. that. in thread. And, thread. Uh, and so I'm like, could it be, uh, that there's just, we have an issue here where there's in group preference going on. We have that there's a faction, uh, of, you know, uh, you know, leftists within Judaism, there's people on the right, there's people in the center, there's people on the left, right? Uh, but uh, but what if one of the aspects of this cover- coverage is, is that there's just in-group preference protecting these guys and attacking Kyle because they don't like that he attacked their boy, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, just some wagon, just some good old-fashioned wagon circling. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, and so I'm asking that question and i and so and so what i did as i do with all my threads or many of my threads is i included just a lot of evidence a lot of evidence right just a, a preponderance of evidence and maybe it doesn't mean anything maybe it's just a lot of single examples but maybe it does mean something but 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 in as much as they the media made it a black versus white issue when they weren't black or white they were jewish i'm like wait a second why are we making this a bit issue about white supremacy or blacks or whatever when when it was, it was Jews, you know. So and now, listen, people are going to call me anti-Semitic for saying that for bringing think, up this I don't think,
0: you know? dude. I have I uh, I two of two of my best friends growing up, and one of them is actually the smartest person I ever met. Little, we we'll turned a little crazy as an adult, uh-huh. but they've become like, I, I, I mean, one of them has gone straight up like neo-Nazi, like that. That, uh-huh. that, 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 that I, I don't even understand it. I mean, his grandmother was a survivor of the Holocaust, so like, I just. It, it, like I, I almost take it as, uh, um, I'm not as friendly with that kid now, uh, uh-huh. but when whenever I see him, I'm fascinated by the perspective because I'm like, it's so different, and I know you're a smart guy, so like, what's here, and so uh-huh. like, I'm, I'm always, I, I'm always, I, I, I'm just, I'm fascinated. It's not, and like, and I don't think, uh, I don't think you've said anything that's like, I mean, who knows the line on Anta, like, I, I, the amount of jokes and things I've said that border on like, was that actually racist or was it a joke? Am I exploring a thought or is there actually like something, you know what I mean? Like these, these mm-hmm. are lines, but I know that you're, you're searching for truth and wisdom. And so like, it, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, def- I defend you. I'll defend you to anyone. You needed you to take your side. I'm in your back, Sam Parker. Well, I appreciate
1: it. You know, I'm, I'm with you too, to Rob. You're a lawyer, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you too, Robbie. I appreciate that. But no, so that's what that was about. I'm just asking that question. And I included a lot of examples, and of course on Twitter I come hard because I come hard on Twitter, right? Um, because Twitter is not a place for nuance. So whatever, right. you, however you come on Twitter, you come, you come hard. At least that's how I look at it. It's, <laughs> it's sort of, it's like full contact debate, right? Twitter is full contact debate. Uh, I mean, we see, you know, everybody's seen this Santa Inc. trailer with Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman, right? And how did, have you, I, have you seen I that?
0: L- luckily, no. But I mean, they. Uh, uh, I mean Rogan's become nauseating, but she yeah. is so bad. And I, I've criticized yeah. the hell out of the things that she yeah. said. Like she she would fall into the category of that I'm I'm embarrassed. Like it oh. and uh and it's that liberal Jew thing that I I hate as much as anybody. And like sure. I wish I wish that the Jewish aspect was not was not a part of that equation, but it is like there's some uh-huh. liberal Jews that uh, are particularly vocal. And do mm-hmm. have like a verbal intelligence to them with the worst ideas, and even <laughs> even for me, it's nauseating.
1: Yeah. So well, so yeah, the, your words not mine. So that was what I was <laughs> highlighting. Is that there seems to be? So that's what I was trying to get at. There's an element here to this story. Maybe as maybe there's an element to this story that's not being captured. And why is it not being captured? Maybe because there's just some in group preference going on. Just like any, right. any other wagon circling, so right. uh, there cancel me. Uh, I'm, I'm now, I'm now, no, I'm now, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I know,
0: I maybe, uh, well, all right, we're now we're 43 in. I feel like we yeah. did it and it was an honor to have you on. Not yeah. here to bust you or get you in trouble. I was <laughs> fascinated by the idea, yeah. and I yeah. actually know that you're, you're a hardened header in the right place, so I'm like, this is interesting, I want to hear this out. So, I, I hope I didn't, uh open up any can of worms or make it seem like I was, pissed. well,
1: I, I appreciate that. Robbie. listen, I opened it up myself, right? I opened it up myself. You didn't, you didn't do anything. I didn't open up. So, uh, we, we don't shy away from the difficult topics on my wall and, and I don't think we shied away from them here either. You know? Um, I
0: love. So it, I appreciate boy. that. Yeah. We will have to do it again. And I appreciate that you came on. You gave us all the insights Sam, hang out for one second, but I do, uh, I actually, I'm going to, I'll message you on Twitter because once I end the broadcast, it, uh, it goes dark. So, oh, well,
1: well, let me just say this then. Listen, I want to tell all your listeners, Merry Christmas. I want to tell you happy Hanukkah and everybody, you know, uh, and everybody else. Happy Hanukkah. If that's your, uh, if that is your holiday, happy Hanukkah to everybody else. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. I love being on the show. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: All right. And a couple comments just from the yeah. folks out there. Sam Parker doesn't sound anti-Semitic. He's just asking the queue. Also, no answer to this question would make him seem anti-Semitic. Don't worry, Robbie. It's a female thing. Someone saying thank you. Good stink. Good, uh, good stuff. Thanks. Bunch of thank you. Everyone likes that you came on willing to share ideas. So from me and the fans, thank you, Mr. Sam.
1: All right. Thanks for having me on, Rob.